0: So we're doing Experiencing God. Uh, the, hello, online folks. Uh, this is week nine of Experiencing God. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with this. We're going to, by the way, who, who was here last week? Raise your, it's okay if you weren't. Raise your hand if you were here last week. Last week was fun. Wasn't it? We had a lot of, clap if you had fun last week. That's good. We all had fun last week, right? Everyone had a good time. Well, this week we're going to talk about obedience. So I'm glad we all had fun last week. Um. When I was reading the book, I was reading the Experiencing God book, not the book, this is the book, that book, I was reading that book, I was reading the Experiencing God book and and I saw that we were going to talk about obedience this week. So I did what any decent pastor does when he sees a word that he knows is not going to be fun. I tried to find a bunch of synonyms so that I could sneak in the topic of obedience without sounding overly direct or churchy. So I went and I started, listen to the synonyms I found, y'all hope you're ready for fun. Here's the synonyms for obedience. Submission? Yay. Duty? (laughs) I always say it like that. Compliance? Acquiescence? I thought that was about swimming underwater, but apparently it's something different. Subservient? Yay. (laughs) The synonyms are as bad as the real word. So I was like, you know what, we'll just use obedience. So we're going to talk about obedience today. And um. As you can probably tell, the topic of obedience doesn't draw a lot of energy from crowds. It's like if you want to raise money for something, you talk about fight, right? If you want to draw a crowd, especially in this political, you talk about fight. War on our values or war on our morals or we're going to war against this fight. If you talk about fight, people are drawn to it. Like in high school, if there was a fight, people ran towards it. Smart people ran away from it. The rest of us ran towards it. Because I'm small, but I'm scrappy. I liked it. I ran towards it. And so, like, you know, like, fight draws people. Obedience? Let's go to the street and be obedient. Subservient. Who's with me? Kickety, kickety, compliance. <laughs> Nothing, right? I mean, it he doesn't draw a crowd. Nobody's excited about that. We're like, oh, oh fun. Yeah, you go that way. I mean, huh. Yeah. And it's just, it's not that exciting. And I think for most of us, it's not exciting because we have come to to take this idea of obedience and just believe that that's for children, that obedience is what children do. But adults, you know, but I, I think as I'm studying the Bible, as I'm doing this experiencing God thing, what I'm learning is obedience is actually one of the greatest marks of maturity. Obedience isn't just for children. Obedience is a sign, biblically speaking, that we are actually becoming adults, that we're becoming mature and complete. And so I know it's not as sexy as fight, but I think what we'll find is obedience is how we fight, that we fight with weapons that don't make sense to this world. And obedience may be the greatest weapon we have, um, John 14, 23, our verse for this week. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's pretty clear. If you love me, you will obey me. And Jesus doesn't say it as if like, it's some kind of choice. He says it like, if you love me, then you just obey me as if obeying him is just a natural byproduct of what you do because you love him. It's not like you think about it. If you love me, then you obey me. And so this is a big theme in the whole Bible. And this statement right here is made in the midst of John 14. And I hope every one of you, like, here's your takeaway right now. Go home and read John 14. This is a beautiful chapter of the Bible. I mean, it's just rich and gorgeous. In this chapter, Jesus is telling people, like, the first thing, he's, he's talking to his boys, and he knows he's about to be crucified and leave, and he says, hey, listen, guys, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. So like, don't be worried. So the first thing he says is, I'm going to prepare a place for you with me. But then he says, but but you're not ready for that yet. So I want you to know, I'm going to prepare a place in you for me. I'm going to send you my spirit after I leave. So the time between the time I'm resurrected and ascend and the time before you go to my father's house, I'm actually going to come and make my home in you. And I'm going to give you power and joy and ability, and it's going to be incredible. And so he makes all these incredible promises about what he's going to do for us. But he's like, in return for that, I want something from you. In John 14, 21, it says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. Then John 14, 23, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's the exact same thing twice in one chapter. And what he's saying is, if you love me, then obey me. Do what I'm telling you to do. And we see this over and over and over in the Bible. And you know what we like to do when we see when we start talking about obeying God as, as good Christians, what we like to do? We like to argue about what we should obey. When you talk to someone about obedience, the first thing they want to do is throw out a bunch of stuff that they know is not really for, like, oh, so you say I got to obey God. So you're telling me I can't eat shellfish? Mm-hmm. Really? I can't cut my hair? Mm-hmm. Do you really think that's what God is telling you? Like, I mean, there was a place and a time, but like, if, if you know God and you're seeking to abide in God and you're surrounding yourself with other people, you know exactly what God wants you to obey. We can have some fake argument about it, but you know what God wants you to do. I mean, there's something rising in your heart, I believe. Even as I talk about obedience, there's something rising up in you that you're not doing or that you are doing, that God is calling you to. You don't need me to stand up here and list 57 things you must be obedient to. If you're seeking, then you're finding. Now, I think there is a sandbox, like the big sandbox around how we should be obedient. And for me, the sandbox sort of goes like this. If I think I'm supposed to do something that goes directly against God's character as revealed in the Old and New Testament, then I don't do that thing because I don't think God's calling me to obedient to something that Scripture says is wrong. And, and, and if you're in, in, the, in the bigger sandboxes, God is calling me to love people and He's calling me to love God and He's calling me to be kind and He's asking me to remember uh, the plank before I deal with the speck. Like, I mean, there's a sandbox. He's saying, don't walk around like a hypocritical Pharisee, telling everybody they're wrong. Just deal with me and you for a little bit, and I'll take care of the rest. That's sort of my sandbox. Maybe you've got a different sandbox. But within that space, there's a lot of different room, but I think it's really pretty obvious on most days what God is really wanting me to do, and avoiding shellfish is not the problem. So check out Eat My Catfish. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. Great crawfish. Um, So... That's, that's, the, that's the what. What does God want you to be obedient to? Now, why? Why does God want you to be obedient? This is the real one. And like if, if you're talking to my mom, I'm, and I love her, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of her, but I never making fun of my mom, but my mom is saying, uh, you're just obedient to God because you love God. And that's true, right? Like, you're obedient to God because you love God. And that, that's exactly why. And so if you never see another thing, my grandma Jones would always, she was obedient to God because she loved God. And that was the only thing she needed. But for most of us, we're sort of on a journey and we might not be to that place yet where we're just obedient all the time because we love God. So I think God wants us to know there are some other benefits to obedience that may come before you just being obedient because you love Him. Now, as you're obedient for these other reasons, you will come to love God more. And so there will be a day when you're just obedient because you love Him. But if you're not there yet, then I want to share with you today some other reasons why I believe obedience is better. And and this is just sort of some observations from my own life. And this first one, y'all are going to be like, duh. But this first one took me about 40 years to figure out, okay? Obedience is better because when I am obedient, I have less regret. Amen. Amen. I mean, doesn't that sound simple? But is our life really ordered in such a way that says we believe that? When I am obedient, I have less regret. Now, now let me let me say something here because I think this is important. Because I grew up sometimes hearing pastors act like that everything that was wrong was terrible and not enjoyable. You know, like that movie, uh, I think it's the Dewey Cox story where he's like, you don't want any of this stuff, man. This stuff's bad. And you're like, what's it gonna do to me? Well, nothing, but it's bad. I mean, Like we grew up hearing that everything that was bad had no fun whatsoever. And is that really your experience in life? It's not my experience. I did some bad things that were pretty fun. I mean, if I'm being honest, in the moment, I did some bad things and in the moment, they seemed pretty fun. But as I've gotten older, what I've found out is when when I'm disobedient, it might be fun in the moment. But later on, it always cost me. And the cost I pay later is always greater than the fun I had in the moment. Y'all been there? I mean, the cost I pay later, the result of this thing that was fun, let's not lie, it was fun in the moment. But the cost always outweighed the moment. And the long-term suffering caused by my disobedience always was greater than the moment of disobedience. Now, with obedience, it's the exact opposite. There are times when your obedience will cost you something. And there are times when obedience is painful. But the long term joy of obedience is always greater than the short term pain. You see the difference in that? With disobedience, the long term pain is going to be better than the joy greater than the joy. With, 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 with obedience, the long-term joy is greater than the momentary pain. They're both going to cost you something. Obedience may cost you. Disobedience may cost you. What you have to decide is, do I want to pay a little up front or a lot later? And I've learned in my 40 years, 44 years, but it took me four years, that I, I'd rather take a little momentary pain now than long-term pain later on matter of fact, I love the way Paul says it in Romans. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Now, why is Paul suffering? He's not suffering for doing wrong. He's suffering for obedience. He says, we take glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and has been given to us. Paul said, listen, guys, sometimes my obedience, it causes me to suffer, but the fruit of that is perseverance and character and joy and peace and hope. The fruit of my disobedience in my life is restless nights, is a bad conscience, is hurting people, is having to hide, it's darkness, but the fruit of my obedience is character and perseverance and hope. It's like it's such an obvious choice. Now, Not all obedience is painful. I'm being obedient right now, and I'm having a dandy time, quite frankly. I am. Y'all are having fun. (laughs) We're having fun. I mean, but sometimes it hurts. So you have to decide. A little now or a lot later. Second thing I've learned about obedience is when you're obedient, you're more prepared to weather the storms. The people who survive the storms in life are the people who've been being obedient in life. Uh, I'll share, my wife, Christy, and I are on a budget. Um, I'll be, sometimes it feels like we're on a different budget, but we're on a budget. We're on a budget. And so we're, we're kind of careful about what we spend. And, you know, we think about things. And so we actually suffer a little bit on the front end. And by suffer, I mean, come on, in the scheme of life. But we, we withhold a little on the front end so that we might have more later on. Because should my children decide they want to go to college or or we decide we want to do something like that? We want to be prepared for that. So we spend less and we're obedient to the budget in the moment because we believe that later on we'll get a greater reward than we would have gotten in the moment. Sometimes your obedience is not about the moment. Sometimes your obedience is God sparing you from something in the future or preparing you for something in the future. So let me give you a great analogy. Katie Neal made the mistake of sharing this story in staff meeting. And if you share it in staff meeting, it's open. I'm I'm sharing it if I want to. That's just the rule. So she was at Walmart a few days ago, or a week ago, whatever, and she saw a man that needed some help, or she believed the man was down on his his luck or whatever. And the guy was trying to buy batteries, and he didn't have any money. And Katie had $5 in cash. And God said, Katie, give that man your $5. And she didn't do it because she was bad. So she didn't do it. So she walks away, and now she's she's doing what we all do. God's called her, she's heard it, and she's arguing. Right now she's in a debate with God. And so she's walking around debating God. God said, "I I give that man your money. Katie said, oh, okay, you know, blah, blah. And so Katie finally decides, like after doing all of her shopping, making sure she, you know, she finally decides, I'm going to give the guy the money. So she walks outside to give the guy the money, and now there's three more guys, and they all need money. And so Katie goes to her husband, Chris, and was like, let me get $20. And he's like, Why? And she goes, Because I got to give these guys $20. She said, If you'd have been obedient with the five, it wouldn't have cost you $20. <laughs> uh uh-huh. uh-huh. You hear it? <laughs> Occasionally, being obedient in the moment would actually cost us less than it would have cost us later on. We want to be, we want to do this. No, God, I'll do it when. I'll do it when. I'll do it when. How many times has God asked you to do something and your response was, I'll do it when? And God is like, you can do it whenever, but it's gonna cost you more. It's not always about the moment, guys. God is preparing y'all. I love this passage from Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for every circum- as, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. What you are building today with your obedience may not be for today. It may be for something that's coming later. As a matter of fact, you may never even see the fruit of your obedience. Your obedience may be for your children or your children's children or someone else's children's children's children. It may be. You may not ever see it in this life, but God will never, ever, ever waste your obedience. He's going to use it for something in His time. And so oftentimes it's hard for us to be obedient because we don't see the instant fruit of the return, right? It's not always about the moment. Sometimes God's preparing to spare you from something or preparing you for something greater. So the third thing that I think about, and this is a traditional three-point sermon, so this is good. The third thing I think about, and I thought this this week as I was writing this message, and your personal obedience will always have a greater impact on the world than your political passion. And I, I... I want you to be politically passionate. I think that's valuable. But your personal obedience to God will always have a greater impact than your political passion. I think a lot of times we think that Jesus Christ came to join our political party, but that's not what he did. Matter of fact, he came to call people from all parties and all races and all kinds into one group that he would lead this thing that looked nothing like the world in a place where people from different parties get together and they love each other and they love God, but there are obedient people on both sides of most issues. And I think a church that was more concerned with the personal uh, obedience of the people in the room than they were the, the people outside of the room would be a far more valuable church in the world. And so should you be political? Yeah, man, knock yourself out. That's your business. But don't ever forget, you will not stand in front of God and be judged on that. You'll stand in front of God and be judged on your personal obedience. And one of those, I believe, has a far greater impact on the world than the other. And so what's what's standing between you and obedience? And it's a struggle. I mean, it's because... God is calling every single person in this room to do something. And typically what we do is we argue about it and don't do it. We wait too long. We look at other people and compare ourselves to other people who aren't doing it, and we get out of it. But what is God calling you to do right now? And you know what it is. And that one thing might be that thing that that spares you from regret. That one thing where God's calling you to be obedient, that might be the thing that prepares you for something greater. It might be the very thing God uses to change the world. I don't know what God is calling you to do with your obedience, but I know God won't waste it. And so my challenge to you today is simply this. Step, even if you don't see it, because God may just use your obedience to do something incredible. Amen.